Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm standing in a beautiful hotel outside the Pinnacle Ballroom with the two members of Prozac. I would love it if each of you guys could introduce yourselves. I am Jay, the creator of Simon from Prozac. And I'm James, creator of Milo. Welcome, guys, and thank you very much for being on my show today. So, Prozac... If you talk to a lot of people who are in their late 20s, early 30s, that's like the first CD they bought. So I wanted to ask you guys for a band that maybe is the first record that you guys bought that you still will have that sweet, loving attachment to. Nice. I mean, the Smiths for me. Um, That was the first band? No, no. That was like influential when I was 15. That was like, you know, things before that were just like when you were a little kid. I don't know if that counts, like maybe like Rhinestone Cowboy or something. (laughs) Things that your mom would like make you buy. But my first like... You know, love for real was God. It's probably the Smiths. thing is they had like this really interesting um, sophistication in their chords, which spoke to me because I grew up listening to jazz as a little kid because that's what my dad was into. So they had, like, unlike a lot of you know ag- aggressive stuff that was going on then, they had a real sophistication in their chords and their their melodies were interesting and so heartfelt. So that's and Morrissey. You know what? Now I do see a similarity between Simon's character and Morrissey. My first band was Kiss. I mean, and, and Kiss has a little of that too. It does. But that's Baby. from you, not me. Right. Blame it on me. So come on, which record? Destroyer, because just the artwork alone was so badass. Okay, so Kiss, right? Their shtick was that they are four guys who dressed up like uh, mythical monsters. So with great face makeup. The coolest was Gene Simmons, who had always he had an extra long tongue and he would spit blood. And you know, this was before the other bands like Guar and Saint Before Crabbas. anyone had long tongues. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Detroit Rock City. So they're uh, on the top of the rubble, which presumably would be Detroit, and they're just flying through the air like superheroes. So when I was seven, there was nothing cooler than that. And the song Detroit Rock City is the first track on there, and it just kicks ass. Why don't we play the first single off your latest record? That record's called Forever 1999, and that track is... Love Me Tinder. So how about you say something about this song for people who've never heard of Prozac before? That single, it combines all our influences. It's got a little rock and a little dance. Prozac always combines dance and rock and electronic and, and rock. So it's got that, and it's got Simon's character arc, which is he is a very dysfunctional guy who can never find love, and he's in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous uh, perpetually. And this song describes how he got there again, which is a Tinder binge which has not ended yet. Good morning, what? What was your name? I know you think it's pretty lame. I'm sorry, I just can't recall just what we did, but I believe we did it all. The steps we took can't be retraced. I'm bad with names, but good with face. I match with you. We got a beer. We got a beer or maybe ten and now we're here. Tonight, you 
graph It won't be love, but it will do For an hour you will make my dream come true Another awkward sunrise I lost the war, but won the prize One night stands, I'll find I guess But they're also really empty, I confess Oh, oh, oh We are loving in a modern time Oh, oh, oh You never know just what you're gonna find Oh, oh, oh Will I ever find you love this way? Oh, oh, oh Guess I'll give it one more Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Love Me Tinder by a band called Prozac off their record Forever 1999. I have the two members of Prozac here with me. We got Simon to talk about it before the break. Now let's get Milo to talk about it. About Love Me Tinder? Well, Milo's experience, I mean, maybe he's used Tinder, but um, Milo's definitely more adjusted. I think he's he may be single still, but he's definitely not. He doesn't get his heart broken. He's kind of a little more level and so that kind of helps Simon out and they're just you know strengthens their friendship balance is achieved mm-hmm. alright so I wanted to start at the beginning because you guys have one of the best origin stories I've ever heard and I've interviewed a couple of bands so you guys were originally in another band called the Philosopher Kings now for people who don't know who don't remember the Philosopher Kings can you describe them in a sentence you better take that <laughs> jazzy poppy soul Maroon 5 before Maroon 5. Okay, so I'm going to play a Philosopher Kings track in the background. Would you guys like to pick one That's, for me to play? What? That's exactly where the Philosopher Kings should be. No. They're really great background music. <laughs> Jay obviously has his issues. I'm still into the band. Yeah, you know what? Let's play You Don't Love Me Like You Used To Do. We don't make love in the afternoon On the stairs in the restroom play that in the background while we talk about your origin story. So you guys were touring with this band. You weren't feeling satisfied creatively. And so one day, I'll let you guys pick it up from there. Well, yeah, I think Jay can talk about how he wasn't satisfied. But the, the point was that he had this cutting humor, which he directed me, I, or I felt I, I was the brunt of it. And I did not know, I couldn't take it as a joke. And it came to a head. I don't know. So we got in like a little fight, which actually was physical. And well, I didn't do anything physical except fall to the ground. But yeah, anyways, this was in Montreal. It was like a long, long time ago, and we had to figure out a way to keep the band together because that's our main thing. And we were touring, we were playing music plus the next morning, actually. And so hold on, hold on. What did you say? You know, I don't know the specifics. I mean, I actually do remember the specifics, but we can't. We can't really go there. It was some stupid thing. I was just pushing his buttons hard about like personal stuff, like. Are you afraid if you say it again that he will punch you? No, that wouldn't happen. No, because because 
I mean, as bad as that moment, yeah, well, as bad as that moment was, it did lead us to coming together to, to be creative. And we wrote the song, which ended up being Europa. Yeah. So you guys get into a fist fight. You're angry. You're not feeling creatively satisfied. You're feeling maybe not respected. And you decide to work it out by writing together. Please explain <laughs> to me how you got to this point. It's funny because I don't know whether we had that song Europa before or after that. It was after? Yeah, well, we were the two people in the band that actually really did have other musical influences because we all came out of jazz school and the other guys in the band were very set on that and but I knew James loved Depeche Mode we connected on you know more electronic 80s stuff um, and more pop I don't know I think that in a way we just sort of made a decision I know I made a very conscious decision that I was going to like say I forgive you for that and let's work on something like I made I made a very clear lucid decision to do that and that's how it started for me. That was very big of you, Jay. No, I didn't, no, we kind of, at, like, as soon as we knew that we got on creatively, it was like, oh my God, it's like, this is what we need to be doing together instead of... But come on, you guys got to a breaking point where you punched him with a left hook. So how do you get from that, which seems pretty extreme to most people, to, yeah, let's write a song together? Okay, so there's a, there was definitely a couple of weeks a in a period in the bus where I was sitting brooding we were wondering what we were going to do while we drove to the next town you know and there was that happened it was very uncomfortable yeah and I was feeling a lot of guilt obviously and, and, and trying to uh, and at the time Philosopher out. Kings was everything to us so we yeah, didn't yeah. have other projects and we didn't know what we were going to do so and we didn't have yeah. other careers so it was an important thing so there was, must have been like a week or two of that and then I, I remember we just talked and we made a real conscious decision like yeah. let's you know we have this musical thing in common let's do another project and for me it was a way to express what I couldn't express in that band at all so you know it was the beginning of me being confident as a producer and writer apart from that so it was actually a huge thing it was huge. and also you were able to use this amazing impression that he had that he would do in the philosopher kings right it's a british rock star the, you know it, aging British rock star thing bitter and aging. bitter, bitter well, definitely bitter so anyway but do it in a way where the humor was not directed uh, at me <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we listen to the first track that you guys wrote together that track is Europa here's Europa to listen to I remember like it's yesterday the song we used to sing what was its name dance together till the break of day and I knew I'd never be the same
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Europa by the band Prozac off their very first record, Hot Show. This is the song that they first wrote together when they started making this project in the back of a van while in another band called Philosopher Kings. And we meant it to be pitched to Ace of Bass, and they rejected it. Lucky for us. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to talk about the characters. You guys were musicians used to playing on a stage in Philosopher Kings, but when you created Prozac, you decided to create these two avatars, doppelgangers, cartoon characters that would be the characters in the music. So can we reintroduce those characters and then describe them for people who've never seen them? Sure. So Simon is an aging British bitter rock star who has um, issues from his family preventing him for, for ever um, really achieving a great relationship. And he, and every time he comes close, he blows it. And, you know, he does it by, like, option paralysis. There's too many other options out there, and he can never settle on someone. He's, but he's always hurt by it. He always thinks they broke up with him, but, you know, he's the one who's doing the breaking up for being so dysfunctional. That's Simon. Milo is of kind of some vaguely Bavarian descent. He's basically, I mean, we, he's part of him is, is from me. I mean, the, he's got a, a ridiculously optimistic outlook. Uh, his eyes are closed permanently so that he doesn't necessarily see the bad stuff in the world and um, he's all he's a good friend eyes exactly his Simon's eyes are crying and huge and he has no neck and um, yeah basically Milo's always there to rescue Simon out of his uh, lovesick misadventures so did you guys come up with these characters in the back of the van too it was after we already had the song, and our A&R guy at Sony at the time had, had said, hey, you guys should do an album. Yeah, ironically, <laughs> it really did start with the music and a love of creating pop music as writer-producers. And then when the impression sort of became the driving force behind doing a project, I knew that I didn't want it to be comedy, even though there's sarcasm in it. And if, I'm, if I was like in front of your face right now doing a fake British accent, it would be really bad comedy. So you know we just have to think of a way to present it it wasn't like let's do an animated band it wasn't so thought out it was just sort of the only thing we could think of doing to present the project in a way that wasn't silly so singing in a british accent i'd love you to take me through that that it must be difficult it actually is a little difficult i have i stumble over a few things and i'm sure i'm not the best at it in the world and so what about you and your accent uh, definitely Schwarzenegger was an influence. I mean, I don't do very many act impressions, and that was the only thing a I could muster. Rap. Oh, the, well, yeah, I mean, Milo, this is his shtick, besides being a killer guitar player, is he Euro raps like no, none other, yes. which I don't know where that came from, believe me. Maybe Fabio was the song. That yeah, was the inspiration. Something. We were making fun of something yeah. at the time. I don't know what it was. Maybe Wright said Fred or something. He's, like. Yeah, I'm too sexy. Yeah, I'm too sexy. That was definitely a big inspiration. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we hear Prozac from their debut record, I'm Gonna Play, It Sucks to Be You. Here. How would you like to say something about that before people hear it? Okay, so, well, this is Sucks to Be You, which was our first breakout hit, and this changed everything for us. And Sucks to Be You is a, a phrase that some girl said to me when I was trying to make out with her touring with the Philosopher Kings at Dalhousie University. Ouch. All right. Thank you. Sucks to be you. It's true. 
You just heard Sucks to Be You by the band Prozac off their record Hot Show. I've got the two members of the band here with me. They are not in character, but it is now your turn to talk about this. James. Sucks to Be You. Well, yeah, like Jay said, we often come up with our songs on the title first. You know, come up with a great concept that we both know is going to work for the characters. And that was like a no-brainer. I was like, oh my God, this is perfect for Simon. And then the I Know, I Know was actually a Woody Allen joke which he had on one of his comedy, his stand-up um, albums, which was, and I'm going to butcher it bad, but it was basically that he speaks into a tape recorder and the tape recorder says back, I know, I know, and that was his joke. So it was like literally, I probably owe Woody Allen some royalties. I think he's doing okay. I think so. I, that's what I say to myself when I go to sleep at night. So Jay, Simon is the eternal sad sack, unlucky in love. You're returning to this character 20 years later. Have you found any happiness yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I personally have, I have to be honest. But there's, it was really, really recently, and I have like five lifetimes of sadness and, and dysfunction to write about, and the fear of recurring dysfunction that, you know, I could blow it all, just like Simon, because he's had, you know, little glimmers of hope, but... So who knows? So what's your comment on this? You guys have been friends over the years. No, there's some truth to the characters and our relationship, obviously, from the origin story, which and then to forging this friendship. Yeah, I mean, generally, Jay is much happier now. I, we are in a great place now, and we had a great time making this record. So I will not be throwing any punches soon. It helps soon. to wear a hockey helmet when we're, yeah, yeah, we're touring. <laughs> that just you know makes things simple. No, we, we're, we're doing great. We get along great now. It's, it's fun. We're, I mean, in all seriousness, we didn't know that anyone cared about this project until about two years ago after it fizzled out. And now we're literally talking to like 15-year-olds who are now in their 30s who are saying, you know, you helped me come out of the closet. You like saved my life when I was going to do something stupid when I was 15. And it's honestly the most gratifying thing I could think of. So we're really happy. You guys came back in 2005 with the record Cruel, Cruel World, then took a break until forever 1999. Came out this year. So I would love you guys to talk about why was it right for this act to come back now? Yeah, so we did. We got an offer to do this um, comic, um, this like cosplay type festival in Toronto called Atomic Lollipop. And there was 4,000 people there crammed in. People were dressed like us, like cosplaying us, which was amazing. Like when we started, the cosplay thing was tiny. Like it wasn't like it is now. 
And we didn't realize until that night that this translates into that kind of crowd, which is awesome. And we just started talking about how special it is that of all the other projects we work on, we have something that's uniquely Prozac is James and I in a room, and it can't be anything else. Like, you know, he's worked with James Blunt and like a ton of amazing artists, and I've worked with a ton of amazing artists, but when we get together, it comes out Prozac. So we were like, let's just do it because we want to. Like, so who was the first person who said, we should do it? James. I think... Uh, yeah, I definitely had to twist your arm, maybe. <laughs> I was ready because, I mean, we both really had a good time at that show, but I think it just hit me. I was like, you know what? I love, you know, I've missed making music with Jay. Now it just felt like, okay, I think we can do this. So we set ourselves a really simple intention of like, okay, if we're here for 10 days straight, let's write a song a day. And we ended up getting a lot of the material for the album in that session. So. Yeah, I think we only went back and forth on like, two songs that didn't make it and then like two that did make it that needed a lot of editing but otherwise it was really fluid why don't we play another track this time i'm going to let you guys choose a track maybe an older track that may not have been appreciated as much as you thought it should have been okay like something from cruel cruel how about starting over yeah starting over is very true song to me about a bad breakup um we were in new york when we wrote it and we were really into like the Strokes kind of Brooklyn scene then and I think that song reflects both those things really well it's, it's called Starting Over I was supposed to get get over you by now it's been a year or so and I just don't know how still dealing with this pain still living on my own still looking back in vain still wondering where to go things got so crazy then I know I hurt you so if I could turn the wheel I'd go another road you change your number now I'm just forever gone This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track starting over by a band called Prozac. They chose this song for you to hear because they feel it's a song that maybe didn't get what it deserved, the do that it deserved, or the attention it deserved. That's a better way of saying it. So, Jay talked about it before. Now it's James's turn. Yeah, this song, I think, you know, some of the songs, clearly when we write them, we're like having a laugh. 
and you know then they end up being great songs that, that's a bonus but this one was felt the emotion from Jay and it was just one of those inspired things when we wrote it really quickly and we both felt that we knew it was, it was good. You guys have been very nice to do the interview as yourselves with me today but since you do have these two cartoon characters you do while you perform why don't you do interviews as the characters? Because we aren't the characters, we play the characters. Again, ideally, we will have, we're actually working on a theater, uh, a musical theater version of Prozac, um, and ideally there would be a much better Simon and Milo than we are, that's, my, that's the dream. But when you come to see the show, it's the characters are on the screen, and we're in character, and then we're out of character, because I still haven't figured out whether I talk to the audience as Jay the creator or Simon, and I'm still confused by it every single night. It's like, what? what? <laughs> Hello, Vancouver. No. Hello, Vancouver. I can't do that. So it's crazy. It's crazy. What was the question again? You don't perform as the characters. That is absolutely true. No, no, no. I think we're getting to a good place. In interviews. We embody the characters. They yes. embody us. They, they possess us occasionally, yeah. um, you know, in the moments, right? But definitely, yeah, neither of us are actors. And so... The idea of just kind of turning it on and and being you know, comedians is not it's not really what we do. I think Michael Caine and Ben Kingsley, <laughs> Simon and Milo, coming soon to a theater near you. Uh, do you guys take suggestions for songs about romantic disappointment? Like like topics for songs? Yeah. Why haven't you yeah. done a song about ghosting? It's so funny uh, that you say ghosting. Yeah, that's because I'm right now involved in an epic example of like full-on scorched earth ghosting. And I'm, I'm, I really am going to write about ghosting. I want to hear the Prozac version of that that's topic. Awesome. I love that. I really am consciously ghosting someone right now. You're doing the ghosting. I am. I'm doing the ghosting. An unhealthy yeah, person in my life. Good. All right, guys. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. So we'll end with the new single, which is... Love Fools Anonymous. And I'd love you guys to tell me something about that song before we hear it. Well, this song is really the precursor in Simon's story to Love Me Tinder because Tinder really messed Simon's relationship up and then he found himself in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous um, and he met a super hot girl there. So that's awesome. <laughs> so it's a happy ending. Oh, it's not happy. It's tragic. Across the room, it's nothing I can do. When did this get real? I feel what I feel, and I know there ain't no us. And love fools anonymous. And twelve steps will change my mind. I'm about to cross the line. Control the beast inside But the voice in my head is Like a five-year-old child Like a five-year-old child Like a five-year-old child The voice in my head is Like a five-year-old child Saying I'm a
change The courage to change What I can rearrange The wisdom to sit here for one more